1: It's the all-Canadian episode for Canada Day.
2: It is. All-Canadian. Yep. Break out the maple syrup. (laughs) Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Canada Day episode of the More Than Just Go podcast. This is episode... Wait, wait, wait. You gotta say it again.
1: you were off mic. You gotta start again i was off mic for the beginning then you cleared up towards the end okay.
0: i think i might have snorted in laughter actually, yeah
1: again. no i, I, did, I said, you, did this is 46 for, you can cut that out. no you were talking like this and then you said and welcome to episode or
2: whatever oh, you said welcome okay, to episode like that yeah so. okay i follow you okay hang on i am i am pivoting in my seat you are correct episode
0: 46. Okay. Wait,
2: wait,
1: wait. Hey, is this going to be episode 46? Are you it sure? It is. Yes. You're yes, sure. Yeah,
2: yes. I'm positive. All right. Hey Greg, stop interrupting him. He hates that. <laughs> I don't mind it. Um, okay. Hey everybody, welcome hey, to Hey Tim, it. how's it going? <laughs> yeah, we had this before. Yes, we did. <sighs> hey, everybody. Okay, what? we're good. Go ahead. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to episode 46, the all-Canadian episode of More Than Just Code Podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell, I'm in Toronto, Ontario, on this fine Canada Day, and I am joined by my co-host Aaron Bay in Whitby, Ontario. Peace, order, and good government. <laughs> and I'm also joined by uh, guest uh, host today, uh, Greg Hio over there in, uh, over by the Eaton Centre in Toronto. Hello everyone, eh? Eh. Oh, good one good good job eh um yeah so take off and um yeah that's uh this is the Canada Day episode Ma- Jaime and Mark uh, are too busy too busy once again to make a podcast so Mark is launching today apparently that- yeah so he said he'll either be you know drowning his sorrows or or totally wasted getting on a plane
0: I am delighted
1: for I hope it works for <laughs> it is launch day for many people I guess which we'll get so into later in the episode
2: yeah well yeah yeah yeah
1: edit here <laughs> i had my poutine i did not have Swiss l.a though that sounded well, good yeah you
0: know, then i got you both beat because i had Swiss Chalet poutine for dinner tonight oh, whoa there you go i didn't, know, they, didn't even know it was on the menu oh wow. it is baby i had it with the club wrap it was great <laughs> really
2: yeah oh, I, guess you, I guess you get the fries with uh yeah you get fries with it but then for an extra two bucks you can upgrade to poutine Oh, okay, and, and but is my quite, my my problem with poutine that I've had is the gravy? It's like, is, it, is say, it like do a they dark that sort Swiss of gravy, gravy or, or, or is it something else?
0: Oh no, they've well, got they've got their own. It's um, it's a decent gravy. Um, is it meaty like, or is
2: it chickeny gravy or?
0: Yeah, it's it's a little more, you know, like is it a chicken grage? gravy? No, it's not a gr- it's not a chicken gravy as you might think yeah. of it. Like yeah. not, it's not light brown. You know, it's yeah. it's darker. Okay. Um, it's all, it looks like a, a beef gravy, even though those guys produce chicken like you would not believe. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, they do, they do ribs there too, but the, uh, see my, my problem with poutine is I, I mean, I really don't go looking for it, but, uh, but I've never really found one that had, that in my mind had the right kind of, you know, dark beefy gravy kind of thing, you know? So they tend to, they seem to lean that way.
0: Uh, yeah, you know, okay. and I, I, I quite liked it. Uh, you know, it's, it's obviously it's not the best poutine you're
2: ever going to have. Clearly, (laughs) no. But the potatoes are good at Swiss That's for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. I like their fries. They got that whole Harvey's thing going there, right? So
1: (laughs) yeah, yeah. (laughs) You should go. there. Have you been to Hero Burger, Tim?
2: I actually went to Hero Burger the other day. Just did you have their first time? No, no. But I had I had their hamburgers. Interesting wrapping. That that uh, they do have interesting wrapping yeah so it was my first time at a, at a hero okay. burger do they have do try poutine? Their
1: poutine they do have poutine I, I mean i've ordered they've had fries with gravy for a long time <laughs> as far as i remember but i do like their gravy so i think their poutine works it is a dark cool. kind of beefy gravy so you should try yeah, it. i sure hope yeah. this is going in the show uh, <laughs> you, should try, sure. you should is try it sure. you should try their poutine
2: i'm sure daryl will have lots of questions for us on the slack group you know okay um, yeah, no, I mean it, I mean I've been spoiled because we used to have a an Eaton store when I lived in St. Catharines and, and that's when I first discovered fries and gravy and the gravy was that dark, beefy gravy and you know, that's so so I'm a bit picky about that. And also I had a chocolate mousse once on St. Catharine's Street in, in Montreal and I've never been able to satisfy my you know, myself with another good uh chocolate mousse, but there you go. Huh. Yeah, pretty big. And the best best coffee I ever had was somewhere in the south of France. You know, it was just turned me off of putting milk in coffee. And it was like it was, let's put it this way: when you buy when you get a coffee or an espresso in um, in France, they give you a little piece of chocolate with it, right? And this coffee was so good; it was better than the chocolate. So, wow! So, yeah, you will so, be chasing it for the rest of your life. I will be chasing it for. Sadly, I will. That's why I can't go back to Tim Hortons. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: I don't know. You know that my, my plans were kind of up in the air, obviously, because I didn't think I would be able to do this tonight. I thought I'd be up at the cottage by now. Um, but our plans changed, and so I'm here. Um, and knowing that I was going to be here now uh, for the rest of the week, and going up on Friday, I decided to launch Magpie today, and just get it out there. I didn't, didn't really want to launch it and then go away, I guess, you know, is the idea, in case anything untoward occurred. Um, the other motivation is that uh, I wanted to give the press contacts that I'd uh, contacted <laughs> time to, um, perhaps show some interest in Magpie and maybe write a review or at least some news about it when it launched. Um, and that yielded exactly zero, uh, response. So, um, I just said, heck with it. Let's just go ahead anyway. Um, and Apple sent me an email saying, look, you've been having this thing ready for sale for a month. What's your problem? Uh, <laughs> so yeah, let's just go ahead and launch it. And so I did. I launched it. I pushed the button tonight, and uh, within a few minutes, it was live on the store. Uh, It was propagating out. Uh, I still don't see it in the search engine results, of course, um, but I think a direct link will take you there. Um, Hmm. Certainly, by the time this show airs, uh, it'll be easily findable, I should think.
1: Well, I want to say congratulations and also Uh, ask, what kind of stats do you get from the CloudKit? back-end thing. Can you look at that
0: and see sign-ups? No. and I, I forgot what kind of things no. you're storing in there. Nothing. Um, so, the way Magpie works anyway... Uh, okay, the way CloudKit works is it has public and private databases, right? So, the public database would be for, if you could imagine, like a social application, uh, where all users of the app would be contributing data to it, and it would be publicly visible to all the users. Think of like maybe an auction app or something or some kind of social application, um, but uh, Magpie uses the private database, uh, so that's stored on every individual's private iCloud uh, user account. Uh, I have zero visibility into that, so um, I, there's there's no no way that I can see how much uh, Magpie is being utilized. Um, the only signal that I know of right now, I mean, other than you know the reports that I'm going to get from iTunes, obviously. Um, Uh, is that, you know, when you share a video on Magpie, the uh, say on Twitter, for example, it adds the via Magpie video uh, tag to it, which you could, of course, delete. But um, I've already seen one of those tonight, (laughs) so... Totally. Yeah, um, I know there's at least one user out there right now. (laughs) Okay. Yep. So that's uh, that's basically what it comes down to. I mean, um, the reason I said it's bittersweet, of course, is that... um, you know, I was hoping it would launch with a, a little more fanfare. And mm-hmm. it, it, of course, didn't because, um, uh, you know, it's the problem that we talk about again and again and again is that, you know, nobody cares. <laughs> it's, a, it's a new app and uh, nobody really has time for it. And even if the people I gave it to for free haven't used it. And right. uh, I tried to give away copies last week. You know, we, we talked about it on the show that will never air. Um, it may air. It might oh. air. Okay,
2: well, That'll it's be a lost it's, episode. It, 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 wouldn't lost episode. It, it wouldn't have mattered anyway. No, can, not for by that. Time, by the time it... It had launched the contest, and it would have been over anyway, so... Quite right,
0: yes. yeah. Um, you know, having said that, like, what the... the I just, I'm referring to a conversation that no, no user or listener of our podcast is going to hear. The point being that... Um, <sighs> nasty, nasty. Oh well, I'm stuff. sorry. I'm just, you know, we talked about this last week, but... Okay, anyway. Yeah,
2: it, it will see the light of day, trust me. All right,
0: it, it doesn't have to at this point. It feels kind of redundant, but... Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, last week we talked about um, that contest that I held, and the idea was that anybody who tweeted uh, link to the contest page would be eligible to win a copy of the pre-release version of Magpie. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so like the version that was on the store, ready to go, uh, but which uh, was not yet available for sale. I was able to give away promo codes. And um, I got zero. Like you, you responded Tim at the time. Like as we were recording, you you did a tweet or several tweets. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah. And but I think Jaime, Jaime
0: also. I think he retweeted one of yours, and yeah. that was mm-hmm. it. zero else. So, and yeah. you guys already had access to the app. Greg, I should have sent you one. Damn, <sighs> sorry. Yeah. Um, I'll get I'm out a no copy. Res- I'm waiting for no, the bundle. No I was going to ask you about that later, but sorry, go ahead. <laughs> um. Anyway, so. Uh, zero response, and so I thought, okay, uh, you can't even give this thing away. So let's yeah. let's put it up for sale for four ninety nine, <laughs> um, and that's my plan, and that's what I'm doing. And so it's done, uh, and I don't, I don't know. It's not not much is going to happen to it. Um, so that's why it's bittersweet. It's because you know I've been working on this for a long time. I think it's been it's a very good app. It's a useful app. I use it every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I cannot say that about very many apps, um, but nobody's going to have time to find that out. And that's the big problem. So um, it goes back to the strategy that we've talked about again and again, that the big bang marketing and the uh, hit-driven nature of the app store um, is is not the kind of, of work that I'm planning to do here. Mm-hmm. Um, this this app is going to go out there. It's going to putter along. Uh, it might make a sale uh, a week. <laughs> it might make two, two sales a week. Who knows? Um but because it's useful to me and because I believe in it I'm going to continue working on it and eventually it's going to become so good that uh the right people will start to notice it and talk about it and hopefully maybe 3 4 years from now um it'll actually be worth something mm. I don't know if there's any other way to it because you know there's um I don't have the resources to market it uh in, in a very effective way and I I don't have the skill set to do that either even if I did have the resources um, yeah. so I, I think that's the battle I'm up against, you know, like I, I, I could, you know, have put all my, uh, resources in one basket and done some kind of big launch plan with PR and marketing and advertising yeah. and, um, and, and done like 200 sales on day one and then watch that long tail taper off. But mm-hmm. that's not what I'm doing here. That's not, that's not what I believe in. Um, you know, this, this app is going to be here to stay and it's going to continue developing. Um, and so the people who bought it today, you know, all one or two of them, mm-hmm. will um um they're going to get the most value out of it because it's gonna continue improving over time. Like it's it's not it's not going to be, remain stagnant. Like
2: right, like right. many
0: iOS apps do.
2: How much are you selling it for?
0: Four ninety nine on both platforms, iOS and Mac. Okay. Is it possible to do a cross
2: platform
1: bundle where it is you can buy the Mac and the iOS? No.
2: No. Yeah I think that you know I think I think you'll find that that um you know, in my experience, the, the selling of selling of apps is is sort of a it's a long tail uh, proposition, right? Like, you know, either you're going to get some people initially right off the bat, but over time it's going to take a while for people to sort of find it, and I think you just got to hang in there because I mean. The reality is, everybody, everybody kind of wants free stuff, and and uh, you know we've all had the race for the bottom, which has made everybody think that apps should be free, and you know people like Aaron shouldn't make a living doing it. Um, but the reality is, you need you need to do that, and and I think over time you'll find that you know it'll be it'll be, it'll trickle out, and, and uh, you'll get it you'll get it out there. But I think you have to keep talking about it, you have to keep tweeting about it, you have to keep you know keep it in the public eye. We'll keep talking about it on the podcast, you know that kind of thing. Um, and and it, it, over time, it'll it'll eventually it'll eventually grow. I mean, you're you're like you're the number one client for it right now, as you said, right? You're the number one user. You mentioned that last week as well, right? Um, you said you were using the heck out of it, if I remember, remember correctly. And I think over time, it'll 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 just uh, it'll it'll grow. I mean, it's you know, it's not going to take on the Photoshop's of the world, but uh, I think as as shareware goes, or fair, or whatever you want to call it, um, it'll 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 do well eventually. You know.
0: Yeah, I think it's just consistency. You know, I, that's the only thing that matters. It's the only thing, it's the only resource that I can bring to bear on it is is just a, a long time continuing to to build on it.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think, like I said, over time, I think it'll it'll it, it, you know a market will grow for it. You know sort of thing like it's not a it's not a it's not a every man's app sort of thing if, if it was it would be the the monetary model would be different right we've talked about that on the show before like if you have a um an app that's you know specifically for a, a niche type of market you know you're not going to get his brother downloading it just for the sake of downloading it right you don't want the people who are going to download it look at it use it for five minutes and then forget they downloaded it you know that's not your audience either right yeah you want the people who have a need, you know, like you said, to, you know, want to watch these videos, don't have time for it right now because they're, you know, at work or whatever, save it for later. Sort of like the paper for video, right? That's I exactly that you just, you I,
1: the term I'm using for it. Yeah. That sounds awfully familiar, I was going to say.
2: Yeah. 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 Well, that's the model that, that he, he talked about last week on the show that may or may not see the light of day.
1: I <laughs> never heard this. I never heard this episode. <laughs> There's some links in the, uh, in the document about businessy stuff but i was wondering i i don't remember but have you guys talked about the technical side of magpie in previous episodes is that well, something you'd be in, willing in to the, talk about in the last about?
0: episode we did uh, so episode, i okay. don't yes. i don't i guess i mean uh <laughs> so, yeah
2: go ahead dig into it well i don't
0: know tim like you, do you want to like do you want to uh, th- decide whether this is going to happen or just and if not for should we it, go Eric.
2: do it over again it doesn't matter you, you got it marketing 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 tell them again tell them again tell them again well it, you know it takes, <laughs> it takes 11 touches before somebody really realizes that they need your product right so yeah well, i'm it, just imagining and it's yours i'm just imagining well, let me just All ask you because i'm i'm just go curious ahead. about
1: it then yeah. i was i guess i was wondering about the a few things cross-platform stuff and cloud kit stuff but i was wondering for cloud kit how you found the testing aspect of it. And a lot of people said, again, with the public side, maybe I'm thinking CloudKit dashboard. But how did you find the testing of that? I imagine there's some kind of sandbox CloudKit that you had to use and test things out. But how did you
0: find the CloudKit integration in terms of testing things? Was was actually not that difficult. Um, that was one of the easier things, because the framework is actually very good, um, very easy to work with. CloudKit has uh, a development and a production environment. When you're uh, building with it so um as i was working to create the app i was working in the development environment obviously um but whenever you ship a version of the app through the app store or through uh, test flight it would automatically rig it to the production environment um, and so anybody that was testing it and then used one of these test flight or, or downloads from the app store uh, would have a different collection right because it's using a different database altogether mm-hmm. um, Having said that, though, like uh, use, using that development environment and then having that uh, web-based dashboard to help you configure the data objects, and I try to keep that really simple. Um, like it's it's not terribly complicated from a data model perspective. Uh, it's just basically like a, a single video object that you save, you know, and you save as many as you like. But uh, they have a, a fairly defined structure. Um, the, I think the toughest part of working with CloudKit was dealing with the notifications. So the push notifications that come through whenever a change occurs to your data set. Mm-hmm. When that happens, uh, you've got to configure your app to receive a push notification and to act accordingly. And you have to create a subscription for each type of notification, uh, add, delete, and update. Uh, mm-hmm. So for each of those, mm-hmm. you have to have a subscription, a CK subscription object set up um, and saved to the your, your CloudKit database. Um, And it took a long time for me to figure that out. And I was actually just corresponding with someone on Twitter uh, this week and uh, who was having the same problem. He's like, how the heck does this stuff even work? Because um, it's really not very well documented. Yeah. Um, so it was, there was a ton of trial and error involved, a little bit of Stack Overflow. Uh, there's one fellow there, You know, and this is, I'm, I'm thinking like eight months ago now, so I don't know anyone's names anymore, but um, there was one fellow on Stack Overflow that was just going around answering CloudKit subscription questions. <laughs> I wonder if he worked for Apple or not. Um, <laughs> but uh, he, he was enormously helpful in helping me figure that out. Like, Other than that, though, uh, it was very very straightforward um like pulling data from cloud kit saving to cloud kit updating cloud kit deleting items from cloud kit no problem at all uh super easy uh makes total sense you get two devices going side by side you know your mac on this side and then your ipad over here and you just do do something over on your ipad and it reflects on the mac within five seconds and mm-hmm. you know you just keep doing that back and forth back and forth back and forth and you just start you just stop worrying about that <laughs> um so it's, it's just a terrific service. It works very well. Was
1: it a little more core data-ish? Or I, I'm just mm. curious about, since you're storing videos, was it sort of more documents in the cloud the way you were using it?
0: No, um, I'm not actually storing the video files themselves. I'm storing just metadata. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, a video record uh, for Magpie consists of like the name of the, f- the video, so that just comes from the title of the page, um, the thumbnail uh, link to the thumbnail image for the video, um, and then I save like three different uh, video URLs. Um, and so those URLs then stream the video to the player in Magpie when you're going to view a video.) Mm-hmm. Um, cool. And that's, you know, and then some some other metadata that I need, but that's about it. And it's really straightforward. Uh there's probably like 10 attributes on the video object that I currently have. So, it's it's not that complicated. Cool. Okay. If you had a choice between,
1: I forget if we've talked about this before too, like CloudKit local as the core data replacement,
0: how far do you think Oh the gosh, the truth line that is. No, 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 no. Um my, my initial approach actually was to treat CloudKit like I would, um, like an application server and, you know, like, s- imagine imagine yourself setting up a collection view, okay, and you want a data source of the collection view and so what you do is, uh, you know, you, um, you, you branch off to a background thread, you call the endpoint, um, pull down some JSON, and then populate the collection view, and you might have a local cache, right? Mm. Um, so that was sort of the approach I initially took with, with CloudKit, but uh, CloudKit's not fast enough to do that. You know, where an application server might respond within, you know, uh, 500 milliseconds, say. Um, you, you'd be waiting several seconds for CloudKit to come back to you with the data set. Um, and, and so it's, it's not really like that at all. Um, and so instead what I have to do is, is rely much more heavily on a local disk-based cache that I create. And I ended up not using cloud, uh, Core Data. I find Core Data so complex, <laughs> uh, especially when I'm dealing with just one data object, like one man. It would be one managed object, mm-hmm. um, which no relationships, nothing like that. It just it's it's just overkill in so many circumstances. Cloud uh, I keep, uh, confusing CloudKit and Core Data, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is ridiculous. But um, Core Data just feels like overkill in so many situations. Um, I'm generally not a fan of core data. I'm going to be... I'm just going to put it out there. I'm sorry, but there <laughs> it is. I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, I'd rather use SQLite. Um, and beca- I guess it must be my web background showing itself, because um, I understand it so well um, mm-hmm. that I feel like uh, that solves all my problems that I ever need. But mm. um, everyone's got different opinions on that. Um, and you can call the database without... Feeling bad about yourself? Yeah, exactly. Were uh, you using raw SQLite C calls, or we you using one of those wrappers around it. Yeah, FMDB. Ah, okay. Yeah, um, I've I've got quite a big, bit of experience with F- FMDB, so um, it's what I tend to use. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, what I ended up doing is just um, you know, do an initial call. Of course, you got to get the data at some point. <laughs> um, but then you know, rely on that on that cache data from disk, um, and then update uh, update it with the core or sorry, the cloud kit, <laughs> uh, every time I get the chance to do so. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, just a slight tweak on, on how you manage the data model. Okay. But you've got to rely on the on the on the local disk rather than on a cloud kit. It's just not responsive enough.
1: Now you mentioned push notifications as well. For example if you added something on the Mac and then it shows up on the iOS side, is that an actual push that's visible or is it one of those silent push notifications that just phones the server in the background and fetches the new CloudKit
0: record and updates the local database is that how it works yeah it's um it's a ck subscription object so this is a cloud kit thing it's part of the framework um and so these subscriptions take the form of these silent push notifications um and uh i'm trying to remember the mechanism whether the notification itself contains the change set or if it's just a signal for me to go and update the change set um i feel like it's just the signal because the payload size is is pretty small right it would have to be now, but yeah
1: that's what i imagine
0: yeah so um, anyway like whenever those notifications come in then the app updates itself and uh, and does the same thing like it'll it'll go and get the uh, the state of the database uh, update the local store and then update the the UI to show it all in all I mean I, I find that it works very well it's pretty efficient um, you know uh, I've had no complaints about it from any of my testers so far I'm pretty happy with it mm. and now since you do have
1: a Mac and an iOS version how much I guess the my First, curious curiosity question is how much shared code would you say is between the two, and is think, it a single yeah.
0: Xcode project or do you have two Xcode projects? Yeah, um, it's actually a single project, and Ooh. it uh, it takes advantage of uh, the frameworks support that we had in iOS coming mm-hmm. in uh, in iOS eight. So uh, once we were able to build uh, shared frameworks in there, I was able to create a single. Video, the project was called Video Grabber when it started out. Uh, I created a Video Grabber kit and mm-hmm. uh, I created an, a Mac version and an iOS version. Um, so there were two targets, one for each of those kits, uh, a target for each of iOS and Mac, the application, and then a target for the uh, share extensions, uh, which allow the user to save to Magpie from other outside of the Magpie application, right? Mm-hmm. So um, if you're in Twitter, on your iPhone, and you want to sh- save a video, you can use the action extension in, in your Twitter app to do that. And that's a separate uh, target in the Xcode project. Okay. Now, one of the challenges, of course, when building a cross platform uh, setup like this, is that uh, you know most of my application code that does all the back background work, like like saving the videos, um, you know, uh, saving to CloudKit, talking to CloudKit, the data. Uh, moving it back and forth from the local to the to the cloud and back um, all that stuff is shared code um, and there was uh, one particular like uh, using uh, images in particular was kind of a pickle because um, you know uh, having images in the shared code you 've got n s image on the Mac in appkit and you 've got UIImage image in um, ui kit mm-hmm. but they 're they 're almost identical in terms of their API mm-hmm. so I created a an X-Image class, which uh, inherits from either of those uh, image classes, depending on what platform it's on. Yeah. So I was able to uh, to call X-Image instead of UI-Image or NS-Image. Um, and then I had this subclass that was able to do the right thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then it was funny because i I come up with that solution, and then I saw a video from WWDC not too long after that, where Apple was talking about how they developed... Um, their pages, or, you know, the uh, iWork apps, right? Yeah. Uh, and they did a sort of similar thing. So, yeah, there's funny. a lot of talk about
1: the UX kit for the photos app, but I've heard the yeah. same thing used in cross-platform sprite kit games, where yeah, same thing. This isn't Swift, but you can still have those if OS is Mac or if OS is yeah, iOS, and then yeah. you just kind of this this solution I saw. This, again, this is for maybe Swift specific, but it would kind of type def like my image as either NSImage or UIImage, and then you you just have to be careful to call the only the properties and methods that exist on both sides. But you exactly. have to subclass where you kind of wrapped it and said if it's on like if I call the property size, maybe on UIImage it's called size, but on NSImage it's called like image size or something, but you would kind of massage that out on your subclass to do the right thing and split the code path in two ways. Is that what you mean?
0: Yeah. Um, I never had to get to that level, fortunately. Um, mm. I, was, I was using uh, methods on NSImage, UIImage that were common between the two of them. So okay. it, it was never an issue. Um, in, on in Objective C anyway, it's like uh, a, a, an if def. Um, mm-hmm. So if def target OS iPhone or target iPhone Simulator, and then then I know I'm using iOS, and then else I'm gonna bring in Coco. So, but there was no well. built in
1: anything to do that. As you mentioned, the, no. the pages the iWork guys said they had to build something themselves, but that's not something that's available
0: to the rest of us. Correct. But it's so simple. I mean, it's there's nothing to it. Like, your implementation file is actually empty. Uh, and your, uh, your header file, basically, um, you have to import something called target conditionals header. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something that, um, um, I guess, is part of the frameworks that allows you to use these, uh, these ifdef statements. Um, and then you just basically uh, wrap the uh, import statements around them. What's the lowest version of OS X? That is, what's the requirement? Um, I built this on uh, ten point ten. Was it yes? Yes, ten point ten. So I was planning to uh, launch with uh, ten ten support, which is uh, Yosemite, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I'll just get yep. my damn numbers straight. But yeah, Yosemite. So I was going to launch for Yosemite, um, as well as iOS eight and. Um, you know, here we are now, (laughs) i have launched. And so anybody that's using the current stuff will will have it. And then come September when iOS 9 and 10.11 launch, um, you know, I'll be supporting two versions of the operating systems. Did you consider going back to 10.9
1: and supporting Mavericks as well? And maybe iOS 7? Or was there something in the code base that
0: requires (sighs) 10.10 or iOS 8 that you really wanted to use? Um, Definitely with, um, I think correct me if i'm wrong but this framework capability that i have now in xcode yeah as six, soon as you said that i thought hey, yeah. that's ios 8 i don't know whether th- that's on definitely mac, ios yeah. 8 only and i yeah. i but uh you know the mac has had shared frameworks for a long long time mm-hmm. um so i'm not sure if it's as much of an issue there i'm really just for simplicity's sake and i know the adoption numbers are really good um i and i, I if i hear of anybody that's saying oh i lose your app except you know i'm on you know, Mavericks or Snow Leopard or something, and then, you know, <laughs> I might just have a good laugh. I don't know, but <laughs> um, mm. we'd have to see.
2: And so here's the. So did you write the whole app in in Objective C or is there yeah. some Swift in there? There or? is zero
0: Swift in here. Zero
2: Swift. Yeah. Jeez, well, you C. you know
0: my position on Swift, right? Like it
2: it, it well, needs to grow up. Well, your position changed a couple of couple of weeks ago. Yes. After, yes, it did. After WWDC, um. you thought you thought maybe you might. Uh, be looking at some of that right
0: yeah for sure i mean um but uh, at least for present magpie is going to continue to be 100 percent objective c i Mm -hmm. i know that you can share the code between the two and i I get that but um uh i think i'll save uh you know my next whatever my next project is i'll i'll write in it in swift but Mm -hmm. i'm going to keep this in objective c for now
2: cool all righty I put something up here, a senior developer from Matt Briggs. Um, I really like
1: that article. I was going to put that there myself.
2: Were you? Okay, good. And then um, and you put one about a uh, couple of articles, sad articles about uh, the indie app business.
0: No, that'll tie right into Magpie. I was just, uh, <laughs> I, that's why I was
1: hoping to make this the Magpie special. Yeah, there was uh, Brent Simmons and then this other gentleman, Curtis Herbert, and then there was another post I just saw, which I think Brent Simmons retweeted. Uh, there's another one from Alan Pike that he just sort of retweeted, reposted, whatever the word. Orders for re-putting something on your blog. Um, mm-hmm. It's just one more, one more kind of thing. They're all kind of similar, kind of idea. But
0: I thought Aaron would have things to say about it. About Brent Simmons's, yeah, he's just yeah. basically saying, you know what? It's tough to make an app because nobody cares, oh, yeah, and so, yeah, but yeah, we do it what, out of yeah. we do it out of love. Hence the title, yeah, right? Love, yeah, um, yep, yep. And you know, keep it up.
2: <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of sort of what I was saying. I think three or four weeks ago when we talked about this before, ah, like you. why why build apps that, that I know aren't going to do anything is because I like building apps, right? So and I, like, I like putting my ideas out there and that imaginary, you know, audience that you have out there somewhere, right?
1: Well, I saw it as a good splash of cold water, throwing a bucket of cold water on someone as well because there tends to be this do I guess as the title suggests do what you love and yeah. you just have to stick with it and I guess there was a little bit because Brent has been doing this for a while of this sort of back in the old days when indie Mac developers could thrive and have these apps that they loved and people would pay $50 a unit for them and it was great Mm -hmm. And it was almost like, hey, snap out of it. It's not the Mac days. That will probably not happen. And we just need to adjust our thinking a little bit. There will still be indie developers on iOS platform and on the Mac and everywhere else. But it's one of those, you know, not everyone can be a movie star kind of post. That's why I put the word sad in quotation marks. But I think it was just a nice... It's not going to be like the way it was. It's going to be different. That doesn't mean that there are no indie developers and that we can't do it. It's just, it's hard work. It's always been hard work. It's like, it's not like back in the old days, everybody, anyone could just throw an app together and Mm -hmm. make a living. It's like, it was difficult back then and it's still difficult now. And maybe we've just romanticized the past a little too much. And, um... You know, that's just not the way to think about it. And I think one of the follow-up articles was really good because it was like, uh, it's not a bad thing. Because having all these people writing apps, like Aaron, yeah. writing apps that they really want to use and that they really enjoy, that's that's yeah. not a bad thing. That's maybe not adding to the economy, if that's the right way to say it. It's not bringing like, money into a lot of people's pockets, but it's just bringing good software out in the world, which... You could say has its own. Yeah, well, this is the fuzzy moment of the show. It has that has its own value, right?
2: No, for sure, and, and I totally agree that 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 you know there's there's if you build something that you're passionate about or you think is, a, is is a need that people have, it's more about the building of the tool and, and the creating the opportunity to help people with your software rather than it is about making the almighty buck. I mean, uh, and, and that's the problem with with app development is is the wor- the the general public takes a while to catch up to the idea that hey there's an app for that by the time they catch up with that idea and they all think they've got the million dollar idea that ship has already sailed right you know um because they're, like i said they're coming late to the party so but those of us who build software whether it's just you know little you know trinkety websites or 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 little apps. Like, I built an app about Canadians. Like, today's Canada Day, so, you know, people should be playing Geese Squad because it's all about Canada. It's got, you know, butter tarts in there <laughs> and blueberries and, you know, evil American hunters and golfers and stuff like that. And American Eagle comes by and steals your geese buddies, you know. um but we only built that because we we just wanted to build something that talked about a lot of Canadian ideas and, and sort of the idea. And like e- even to the point where my wife made me remove the American hunters because they had guns and switch it over to kids with slingshots. I mean, <laughs> it, you know, but the, but the reality is, is, is I didn't build that app to make. You know, copious amounts of money. I built that app to go through the whole process of building an app, and you know, setting up, you know, working with Game Center and uh, looking at different font art, and you know, working with with it was Cocos Two D S at the time. You know, and I'm actually going to do a, a version of it for for um, for uh, with Sprite Kit, you know, and maybe with the new Gameplay Kit. Uh, utilities that are, are available to us now in IS9. I might even use some of those, you know, and, and so my geese will have lasers to be able to fight it, fire at those evil golfers, you know? So As long as there's I'm
1: flocking. Him. There's gotta be a flocking somewhere. Well that's in that's what I'm
2: getting at. Because the whole the whole mechanism is you're creating a you know a chevron of geese and they, they we mathematically make a linked list and they flock together down okay. down down the roof down okay. the road, right? But um you know but You know, I built that app because my grandsons and I were, you know, we're just riffing one day. They were young, they were like, you know, eight or nine or something like that at the time. And and they just thought it'd be fun to build this app. And then I had my friend's kids record their voices for the sounds for each as each goose does a little honk. It's all, you know, some little friend of mine. Um, you know, and they're they're pumped about the fact that they're in an app. It's not about you know, yeah. It'd be great if I could make money. Or I, w- I was actually featured by the Apple Store at one point. But they, you know, now that I'm not using all the fancy you know UI Dynamics and all that kind of stuff, you know, I've fallen out of favor with Apple. But but still, you know, the purpose of building that app was just out of passion, just because I you know I was going through the process of, of learning the new tools and wanted to build something that people would enjoy, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not about making money. <laughs> It'd be nice, but
0: you know. Yeah, but you know, like uh, <laughs> the problem is that so many people enter this business with yeah. the notion that there's going to be some recompense for the effort that they've expended to make this app. You know, yeah, no, like it's nobody, true. nobody knows the kind of effort it takes to make an app.
2: Yeah. And they're surprised when we tell them, like when we tell them it, it's, it's this amount of effort and you translate it into hours and turn that translate it into dollars. It's, you know, they go like, my God, I can't believe it's that much. And it does take a lot of effort. And we were talking about this on a show many months ago on the, I think episode 12 was the iPad episode, right? Where We were talking about last year when size classes came out and the fact that People don't realize what amount of effort it takes to build an iPad app. To you know, to build a good one. I mean, like that takes advantage of the whole platform and the size and the real estate and all that, right? So.
0: Yeah, you know, and one of the things I think needs to be repeated about about Brent's column, and I'm, I just want to, yes, here. Um... <sighs> Can I read from the Yeah, by the, the way, just the book I'm of Brent. Gonna,
2: just 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 so we're, just, uh, we just because we didn't really introduce this but we're talking about a, a post by Brent Simmons on the essential.com called love and it's about the love of making apps and and the follow-up article by uh Kurdish, I'm not sure who that person. It's follow-up one, it's called tub love. We'll put links in the in the show. Go ahead, Aaron, read your read your piece.
0: It's Curtis Herbert. Um thank you. No problem. Um so <sighs> You know, when, when Greg was saying that there's, you know, it's a good thing in a way that uh, people do this out of love because the passion gets into the app and, you know, a lot of people get to enjoy great software. The other side of it, though, and the side that I bemoan is the fact that uh, the economics of the app store are such that, uh, you know, a lot of great developers tend not to make apps for Ooh. iOS because it's just they know it's not going to be worthwhile. And Ooh. that's what Brent is talking about here. Um so if I estimate the number of iOS apps in the app store and get the difference between the estimate and the actual number, that difference will be larger than the number of successful apps, he writes, um, which is to say that there are a ton of apps, way too many. Mm. Um, and he defines success as that making enough profit to make it worth continuing to work on the app, um, which is um, a calculation that I've made and have determined that you know, the money will not be the impetus, impetus for me to continue working on the app. Uh, it has to be out of my own passion. Um, now do any developers doubt I'm right he writes and when developers think this way they take their app ideas and toss them aside quote hey you know what this idea would be really great for iPad darn unquote quote this would be perfect for iPhone oh well unquote <laughs> see that's and that's, that's what happens all the time you know when I was considering what to build next myself before I decided on Magpie I had several ideas bigger ideas than Magpie, mm-hmm. that I even got started on, but then stopped because, you know, the the, the amount of effort was just too much for yeah. all the almost almost certain failure that I would experience. And so your, your site's lower as a developer, especially as an independent developer. Like, you just cannot tackle too much because there's simply no way that you can uh, justify the amount of risk, the amount of effort for what will be... Um, a pebble in the ocean mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and that i think damages the entire platform not that anyone cares
2: <laughs> yeah well i think we, i think we care and our listeners care but where it is i think the new
1: model is going to be which i I've, i hear a lot of people are doing is you just have your regular day job and then you yeah. do apps in the evening and then if you break out of i mean it's a hard cycle to go through because the idea is are do you want to quit your job is that even a goal like maybe some people don't even want to quit their jobs and take mm-hmm. on the the risk anymore but then what happens if your app had a runaway success then do you quit your job and then work on your now successful indie project afterwards i think i think there's a shift where before it was like no i am i'm going to quit my job and work on this for a year and then it'll be successful and then this is going to be my livelihood from now on, whereas these days people are more, I'm going to work on this. They, they seem resigned almost to the fact that no, I'm just going to work on this in my spare time. I'll release it. Maybe I'll get a few sales. And even if it took off and I got $100, $200, $500, even $1,000 a month from it, no, that's that's like ha. still a side project. And then you're yeah. like, are you ever going to take it quote-unquote seriously and you know, maybe I'll more more quotes, take it to the next level and evolve <laughs> the product. And I guess that would be my worry is that as much, as Aaron said, as much love and passion goes into these apps and it'll show through, I feel like we're just going to have a bunch of very well-crafted apps that are still treated as hobbies. Which, not to, again, denigrate the effort or anything like that, but it's just different. Again, totally. bread sites places like Panic and, you know, the Omni Group. And you're, I just feel like you're never going to reach that level. And there's going to be so this giant stratification of, you know, top like OmniFocus or OmniGraffle or something like that and then a very well-crafted app like Magpie even but that mm-hmm. just I don't know Aaron wh- what would be sort of your end endgame uh, you know wish from the genie kind of situation out of let's say just Magpie specifically
0: Well, ever since I started as a a developer in in iOS, I've always wanted to be independent and make a living off of my own apps. I much prefer living under my own recognizance than working for other people as a consultant. But that's what I have to do to make my money. You know, like, I, I have to work for the companies. And it's not a terrible hardship. Let me let me hasten to add that. Like, I'm I'm doing very well uh, at that business. And, you know, like, uh, D- Justin Williams, uh, in response to this very article on Twitter, from um, from Brent Simmons, said, you know, I'm, I'm working for Several clients as a consultant. I'm making more money now than I ever did uh, when I was selling my own apps exclusively, and Mm -hmm. I still get my afternoon naps. Come at me, haters. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You know, which, you know, like there's definitely something to be said for that. Um, You know, and I I agree, you know, like that living the consultant life uh, can be, assuming, uh, giant asterisk, if you have the right client, (laughs) Um, can be very good. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely would love to be able to work on Magpie and whatever other you know whatever the next app is, uh, full time, you know. And and if if Magpie were so successful that I could you know maybe hire someone mm-hmm. to work with me, like get a developer, get a designer, um, and then you know really polish it to a, a fine sheen, you know, and then. Uh, build services around it, and then you know start thinking of new breakthrough features, and then work on a second app. You know that mm-hmm. you know would really you know something much more mainstream, perhaps so that you know you can take on bigger tasks. You know, but it all requires money, and that's something that you can't do unless you win this lottery.
2: <laughs> yeah, and, um, and that's actually what the, 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 the missing thought I had was I, I've been talking to a lot of developers and I've been reading a lot of stuff and maybe one of these articles might have pointed it out. And it, That does seem to be the, the type of style of developer that we have out there now is that you know, you have the the armies and the agile bits and stuff like that who do their make their products out of passion and out of love, right? Um, and the rest of us do too. I mean, I, I, yeah, I went to a conferences in 2010, 2011, and met a lot of developers who were early in the game, but it seemed to be they were building apps because they they were passionate about building apps per se. They weren't they weren't in a gold rush mentality, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, the Mike Lees and, and kind of that stuff were there, um, <clears throat> but. It it seems to me that the the reality is you you need to have a day job to work, you know, either as a consultant or work for uh, a, a studio that builds apps and makes money building apps for other businesses. Because as an independent person, you really can't, unless you have some earth-shattering idea, you know, uh, you're not going to be really out there making a ton of money off of an app. And, and you know, if it does take off and starts to build, then the question is, are you are you now an app builder or are you now running, a, are you now a product manager because you're now working on like it? let's imagine Magpie took off for, for the sake of exercise, right? Right. Um, you know and, and it became like everybody had to, ha- you know Justin Beaver said you have to have Magpie and you know all, everybody started downloading Magpie and all of a sudden you needed to look at you know upgrading your servers and like you said hiring a, a staff to support it and then you had to you know get in, get some support people to actually answer the calls when they came in you know if you can imagine like Agile Bits you know with their, their product 1Password went from like you know a couple of people building to a team of 40 or so people right <laughs> um, and it becomes a business and it's no longer you know hey I get to put this button on the screen and and connect it to my action you know now now i have to you know i don't get to do that anymore because now i'm i'm aaron bay the cto of this of this mega corporation right yeah i hope
0: it i, I would not want it to get that big you know like i i really um i really admire agile bits as a company um yeah. uh but uh they're they're much larger than i would ever want to be involved in <laughs> in terms of that uh not that there's any danger of it but um you know, like, I look around the industry, and I look at the people that do succeed in companies like um, uh, Flexibits, the makers mm-hmm. of Hal. that's mm-hmm. two guys. Yeah. Um, you know, we think of um, Gus Mueller, uh, maker of Acorn, he's the uh, flying meat guy. Um, Dan Jalkut, uh, yeah. Marzetta, he's a single guy by himself. Yeah. Um, you know, I think he's making a modest living, but, uh, sure. you know, like, that that's the sort of thing that I, I really uh, – look to when i when i try to gauge success
2: Mm -hmm.
0: you know is is can can i could i justify doing this as a full-time gig Hmm. could i be big enough to hire one or two other people but not you know agile bits is like 40 people (laughs) yeah yeah it's crazy
2: yeah it's no and and at 40 people it's no longer for for and uh davis forgot the other owner Dave
0: um Yeah, Dave and uh and Rustem, yeah. And yeah,
2: they they're I mean their day is now you know uh dealing with issues bigger than than like i was saying about building apps or 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 even even being able to come up with another idea because now they have to they're always sort of keeping the ball rolling with with one password it's it's an awesome app and don't get me wrong it's one of my favorite apps you know that it would be it would be first thing
0: i installed on my new imac last it
2: would be my pick every week i use it on every computer and every every ios device i have and i tell people about it all the time right Yep. yep um but you know you know, I don't I don't envy them that position. I mean, I do envy them that position, but I don't envy them the position of having to 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 support that one product. It would probably would drive me crazy eventually, right? So it might. Yeah. But,
0: I'd but, be curious to find out though, personally.
2: Yeah, I know. <laughs> it would be nice to have those kind of problems, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Definitely. I I know, I know Dave Teer, the uh one of the founders, and yeah. I think both Rustam as well, I think they both still code, you know, and that's Yeah. Um, You know, I don't think they code as often as they'd like, but they still do.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. I mean, it's interesting uh, to talk about this post by Matt Briggs about the role of senior developer, looking at um, how, I guess, the outside industry measures a developer in terms of years of experience versus what they actually know and what they can actually do, right? Um, You know, juniors we consider, you know, being somebody just out of school a couple of years, Um, and, and you would assume that they wouldn't have sort of big picture, uh, vision, um, and, feel free to jump in anytime guys Um, uh,
0: now I'm going to let you dangle I was going to
2: let you finish Yeah, it sounds like you were doing just a fine job there call this up here hang on yeah so it goes through defining what what a junior developer is and you know how we all grow as developers and that kind of stuff and um, then you know talks a bit more about how an intermediate developer is you know it's three to four years that kind of stuff And, and what criteria makes somebody a senior developer right so you know the a, is it three to four years? Five, no, no, years? no,
0: no, no. Hang on. You know, like actually, what he's saying is that yeah. it has nothing to do with the number of years. No, that's what I'm saying,
2: but th- yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like when, when a headhunter calls you and you say, oh, "I've been doing this for five years," are like, "Oh yeah," then we're going to put you in a senior developer role and blah 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 blah. Right, right, right. And yeah, my point is, my point is, is that you know, if you were, to, if you, if I was to measure the four of us, right, with this, with a, with that sort of scale, yeah, we've all been do- doing this about the same amount of time, right? But Mark is head and shoulders above me for sure right uh aaron you have your your you're above me in other ways and greg you're above me way above me in terms of uh, swift and that kind of stuff and and the two of you are very sort of um uh, what's the word i'm looking for um
0: no idea
2: is it area you're able to talk about the the technologies and you're able to carry on high level conversations about you know The various pieces, bits, and pieces that go into into building apps, right? I'm more on the UI side, so I I tend to you know look at you know user interface things and design, and I spend time in Photoshop and that kind of stuff, right? So, um, you know, I'm less likely to do the heavy lifting when it comes to you know laying out a core database, a core data database, or I mean, I can do it. Don't get me wrong, and I do it all the time, but but you know when it comes to heavy lifting and architecting or designing what design pattern we're going to go within an app, I that's not Sort of my shtick. I don't really get into that. I don't have a passion for that. So, um, you know, but that does that make me uh, any less of a senior or intermediate developer than you guys, right? So, because we all the thing about it is that everybody every developer brings a different set of skills to the table in terms of life experience and in terms of where they've gone and what they've studied. And, you know what they've learned, right? Through the through the world, you know. Um, we're, the three of us are are all self-taught, I believe, right, Greg yes yeah so you know and we've all you've come at it from Perl, and aaron's come at it from ruby and i've come at it from you know other other kinds of scripting like php and mysql and all that kind of stuff and uh, come at it we've all done our, our our we've all paid our penance building websites you know um you know but but it it brings us to a different place you know um you know i've worked with Perl. i didn't enjoy it i worked with ruby I, I was early when I worked in Ruby, so I really didn't see the value in it at that time. It was 15 years ago, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, but, I mean, so when, when you measure what a senior developer is, it's not just in terms of, it's. it actually is in terms of time put into the into the craft, but that there's it, it, it a certain level of time that needs to be put in there, right? And I think that's what this article is talking about, the fact that you can't just measure somebody by the amount of uh, time they've put into the position, right?
0: It is quality not
1: quantity that counts Mm -hmm. yeah i really like the sort of framing device if you can call it that in this article Mm -hmm. where uh, if you kind of read it backwards the the key line for me is if you do not have at least one senior developer in a leadership role in your team your project is doomed to fail and at that point again this is the end of the article but if you read it backwards you're thinking all right what is a senior developer then Mm -hmm. if i don't want my project to fail but then the definition is that a senior developer is someone who has, you would think, f- failed a lot and knows why that happened. Mm-hmm. And so there's almost this idea of working your way up through... The, I don't know, there's that famous Michael Jordan quote or something like that about how, you know, you've missed all these shots, but I kept on going and that's why mm-hmm. I became great. I am totally mangled that quote. But <laughs> I like that definition of saying someone who knows what can go wrong and what has gone wrong many, many times in their past. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of person you need. So it is... There is a little bit of time in there because you do need time to make all those failures. But at the same time, there's probably developers who've been working for 10 years writing the same CRUD app in PHP over and over and over again, who you could say, they could say, I've had a string of 10 successes. Every project has gone well, but they've built the same thing so 10 times. Code. exactly. And as yeah. you said, the recruiter would say, oh, 10 years experience, you're a senior developer. Yeah. But then you don't have that experience with trying different kinds of things and getting the variety of experience and failing a lot yeah. and then knowing what kinds of things to look for. Of course, that said, if you did want to build that exact kind of crowd up again and you hired that person, I'm sure things would go well. But mm-hmm. if you just have some generic, pull it out of a hat, here's a project, who do I get on the team? That's not the kind of person you would want as, 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 again, this post says and Matt Briggs says, that's not a senior developer who you need in that role to look after things.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah and and it's you know to since it's a Canadian uh Cana- oh, the all Canada show I think we should use a Canadian analogy and I I, I know the story of of Wayne Gretzky for instance who would take a, a bucket of pucks out onto the ice and he would hit the top right hand corner over and over and over again Right. Until it became muscle memory to him. Right. So and, and that's how he was able to, you know, when he was out playing games, be so good. And it was he didn't really touch the puck all that often. But when he did, he really it made it count. Right. And I think using that analogy, what he talks about the senior developer here is is they're not they're more they have more experience about why things work the way they do and and more about how to, you know, uh, empower the younger members of the team or the more inexperienced members of the team to basically become better. And understanding that it's not a just about making that same app ten times, right? So you
0: just reminded me of Captain Kirk from Star Trek Two. Remember that? You know, when uh, when they're first facing Khan and uh-huh. they decide to enter the prefix code for the Reliant. And, okay. you know, Savick, is it Savick who's in the con? Oh, you're
2: talking about the movie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Star Trek II, The Wrath yeah, of Khan. Okay, okay. Okay. okay.
2: There's another con too, but he's, and same con, but he's Star in Star Trek II, yeah. The Wrath of Khan. I know. Yes, I get it. Okay. Oh!
0: Yeah. 1980 yes. um, something. 1984, I believe. And, uh, you know, that's the thing like, that Savick says, you know, what are you even doing? Like, how does this work? And Kirk is like, you know, you have to understand how things work. Yeah. You're young. You don't understand this stuff yet. Yeah. and uh like so get me the prefix code for the Reliant. we're gonna drop its shields and then kick its ass yeah and that's exactly what happened that was experience over inexperience i guess and so he <laughs> understands oh, how or
2: experience over process because because savik's whole point was there's a protocol to things right that was so. her big hang-up yeah yeah, yeah
0: she, she's like the junior developer of uh, of star trek <laughs> 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 and kirk is like a senior engineer that's right. You give her a task and she'll do it, but she
1: may not know. understand
2: why. Yep. Yeah, it's, yeah, or or understand the big picture exactly. Exactly. Hmm.
0: Yep, there you go. Like le- everything you need to know in life, you can learn from Star Trek.
2: Yeah, or hockey. Yeah. Uh. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Matt Briggs, we don't need anything from him. Yeah. He's already been tied.
2: <laughs>
0: okay. Now do you want to do pics?
2: Sure. Let's, uh, let's go around the table and see if we have any picks. So, Aaron, do you have a pick? As it happens. So,
0: I just acquired a new Mac. I have an iMac 5K sitting on my desk now. And oh, it's cool. Yes. I
2: saw you tweet really, about
0: that. Really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, lovely computer. So, um, one of the first things I did is install some software, because I'm going to be running in a, in a sort of dual situation. I'm going to have my laptop for when I'm away from my desk, and you know, obviously, the iMac at my desk. But... Um, in one, of the, in one way, um, you know, there's, there's going to be situations where I'm going to need the stuff on my desktop. And so I've picked up Screens by Adobe, which is mm-hmm. an app that I've been using for some time now, um, on my iPad in order to access my, another Mac um, that I have in my house connected to my TV. Right. So um, when uh, I, it came to this setting up my Mac, though, I wanted to uh, get the Mac version of Screens. Which would allow me to uh, to go from one Mac to view the screen of another Mac. Yeah. Now, this is what? distinguished. Sorry,
2: what were you going to say? I was going to say, why couldn't you just do that with the screen sharing built yes. in? Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to say that. Uh, why not use screen sharing? Because. Um, yeah. This, uh, screen sharing works fine inside of a network, but over the internet. Um, Oh. Uh, so yeah, Adobe has a screen, the screen connect service that it has. Mm. You create an account on their server and then, uh, you, you know, register, sorry, log in on all of your devices. Mm. And then, boom, it just works. You open it up on your iPad or on your MacBook or wherever, and you can connect to any other Mac running the Screen Connect service. Not like that
2: back-to-the-Mac nonsense that we've yeah, used yeah, for years. It's,
0: it is exactly like what back-to-the-Mac is supposed to be, except it actually goddamn works. Wow. Cool. That's <laughs> yeah, amazing. So uh, highly recommended. It's... Um, it's not cheap, um, but uh, worth it. It's like $25, I think, Yeah, for the Mac version.
2: That's not expensive. Come on, Aaron would Obviously, yell at you if you yeah, said that. I'm
0: the first person to flip out over that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, as software goes Throw these days, the man, yeah. um, it, and it works very well. Um, it's had good reviews as well from other um, publications. Yeah. Um, and I've, I have been using it on iOS uh, for some time now, so um, it, it does work very, very well. So, And it's Canadian made, isn't it? Adovia? Are they, uh, they're in Montreal? I thought so. Was that, uh, that guy Luke? Hmm, where are you? Tell me about your company, Adovia. They're in Montreal, yes. All right. There Lovely. Luke Vandal, yeah. And he, he was actually one of the guys involved in Singleton back huh. when Singleton was around. Those was are the days.
2: Yeah. So... Uh, a question, though. So, so in my case, I tend to work off my laptop the, the majority of the time, right? And uh, for a while there, I was working on my on my iMac, and I would basically screen share to the to the Mac uh, to, to the iMac to, to the to the portable Mac, right? Because I tend to be more oh. por- portable for the, that's my sort of motor's operation. What you're diet.
0: saying is that your the majority of your stuff is on the MacBook.
2: Yeah, and so what I would do is I would, um, you know, use the screen sharing on the on the. Uh, I would do a little bit of work, you know, some command line stuff or whatever on the iMac, but m- for the most part, I would have a window open and I'd be actually sitting at a desk and and uh, using my Mac. Now I have a external like a Apple dis- cinema display that I plug into my Mac so my MacBook, so I have like a desktop kind of experience. But so in your case, you're the opposite. You're working from the laptop back to your desktop machine. Is that your? That's,
0: yeah, that's the the. The plan, exactly. Um, and,
2: and so were you, were, before you were s- exclusively working on the laptop? or
0: Yeah, I have uh, my MacBook Pro here. My 13-inch is now uh, three years mm-hmm. old. And mm-hmm. um, I'm actually going to be replacing that as soon as my new MacBook 12-inch arrives mm-hmm. uh, in the next couple weeks. Right. They're on significant back order. It's like three to four weeks wow, uh, really? to get Two one get the nowadays.
2: Do uh, Black, yeah. <laughs> Please. Oh, Space Gray. Space Gray. Yes. Space Gray. Yes. Yeah. Make, space make, gray. Make, make approved Space Gray. Um, so... I was gonna ask you, so how does how does the resolution of the retina display manifest itself on the smaller MacBook display? Do you have any issues like does it automatically downscale and
0: Yeah, like it'll it it runs in two modes. You can either um, look at the whole screen, you know, compressed onto the size of your thirteen inch retina MacBook Pro screen. Um, or you can go hundred percent and it just sort of follows your mouse as you scoop uh sort yeah. of move around. Yep, yep. Um now, the one thing, I, I'm not nuts about that, but uh, one thing I would love to see in this version, and the Mac version of this is actually the newest thing that Ado- Adobe shifts. Like, they've, mm-hmm. they've been making the iOS version of this for some time, and I think the interactions on it are a little better. Right. Um, because the thing you can do on iOS is actually, like, you know, uh, pinch to zoom mm-hmm. um, and, and zoom in and zoom out. Yeah. very easily using the pinch gesture on your iPad screen yeah. um, and you can't do something similar like that on a mac um, mm, right. i I think that would be a, a very quick fix for them that would uh really improve things in terms of uh, interacting because yeah that my imac five k screen on you know represented huge. on my yeah huge. huge like oh my god yeah, yeah, yeah. so big. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, I do um, something
2: similar because I have I have an old VNC app. It's one of the first apps I installed on my iPad, and I to this day still use it occasionally to log onto one of my desktop machines and and you know move the screen around and and same sort of idea where you know you can you can look at it, you can pinch the zoom and make it bigger, and you can pan around, and then you have a keyboard that can come up and down as you need it, sort of yep, thing, right? Yeah. So. Yep.
0: Well, how? Yeah, these. Like this is a, it's, it's a VNC client and server setup, you know, that's what this is all about. Um, but the thing that separates this from any other VNC app is just the, um, the niceties that come with it, right. That allow you to work with the, with the host computer, um, you know, it's like passing the keyboard or the clipboard back and forth, for example. That's oh, a big cool. thing. cool, yeah. You know, um, the mouse pointer, you know, how, how you actually interact with it and how re- quick and responsive it is, right. even over the Internet, as opposed to just on your local network. And, you know, they've, they've got, you know, it's just very, very performant. It works very well. Hmm. Um, uh, you know, like management options that you can do, like uh, giving you control of the other computer. Um, it just, it's just really, really smooth. It works very well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've tried others and found myself frustrated by them, but Screens is the one that seems to really get me. So, hmm. check it
2: out. Yeah, for sure. I, I actually might do that because, like I said, I do. I do. I'm in my back. Going back to my support days, I there was a tool I used to use called um, Team Viewer or something like that, um, and it allowed me to to. Uh, have a client install a piece of software on their computer and then I could totally see what was going on on their computer. I could, you know, drive around and manipulate it. was good when I was supporting both Mac and Windows because mm-hmm, it worked mm-hmm. on both platforms. But now I use messages and, and or I chat, I guess, um, what do we call it now? Chat messages. 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 It's messages, messages yeah. And I do you the got... screen sharing option to that, and it's just a matter of trying to get somebody to teach, teach somebody how to set up an Apple ID on their machine. That's harder than it sounds, believe it or not. No, uh, it is tough. Yeah. <laughs> but whereas you know the one-click installer was was a bit bit easier way to do it. But yeah, so so I've always sort of uh, done the VNC thing and always looking for good clients for that kind of stuff, especially since I have several headless servers in the house as well, right? So. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah, And, you know, just like, you know, I archive my mail. I have a desktop Mac behind me, which I, like I said, I used to work on a lot, but I very rarely work on it. But that's where I archive my my IMAP account, right? So if I want to look at anything that's older than a year, I have to log on that Mac over there. So I'll, you know, use a VNC client to do that as well. And, and, uh, back to my mac used to work pretty well but it's been pretty lame for about three or four years now so i've never heard good things about that well you know I, I there were times when i could be down in san francisco or something and log onto a server here at home and grab a file and you know one year i did the first time i went to wwdc effort I, I didn't realize that i needed to uh download um uh, an app onto my ipad and ipad yeah it must have been ipad um and I, was, I actually used PNC to log into my machine at home and tar up my, uh, my uh, backup and then send it down to my laptop overnight while my wife and I went and toured around San Francisco. And then, and then uh, the next day, I ha- was able to install the stuff because I, I forgot to bring my iTunes profile with me, right? Long story short. Anyway, that's cool. Um, so, uh, what's your name again? Um. It's Greg. His name is Greg. <laughs> Greg, damn you. All right. So, uh, Greg, do you have a pick?
1: I do have a pick. It's the website applersvp.com. And uh-huh. I know Tim just was talking about getting his grandkids interested in app development this is not quite at that level but it's a Apple thing I should mention first uh, also it's US only and it's a program they have in their in-store so you go into mm-hmm. an Apple you register you go in I think it's just a week or something like that three days on the week for a few hours and you can bring in your eight to twelve year old once they're registered and they cool. have two sort of classes one for making a movie with iMovie it says they cover original soundtrack and garage band and then you edit mm-hmm. a iMovie together and then they have another one that covers interactive storytelling with iBooks, which I imagine is something about iBooks author on the Mac and making an interactive book with it. Cool. So it's an interesting kind of thing. Quick one week. I believe it's just a single week, kind of a summer camp thing. Get your kids into not coding, but this, it's a more creative thing, if we can say that, mm-hmm. making movies and interactive books. So it's an interesting cool. thing that Apple runs over the summer. Again, US only. You pick your store and then you register.
2: That's cool. Actually, my, my grandson Xavier is actually at a coding camp this week where he's learning Raspberry Pi stuff, right? So, yeah, cool. So he's coding in Python. Uh, is it Python or is it no? It's probably well, it's Linux of some type, right? So you think Python I was say, is the yeah, language? It could be anything? Yeah. Well,
0: it could be, but I think um, like they, they tend to focus on Python when uh, on the Raspberry Pi distributions.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yep. That is the new teaching language of the of the moment. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, we're not sure. It's a game making. Game coding camp. Oh yeah, there's tons of game
0: coding stuff for for Python. Yeah, so he's. I'm going to bet it's Python. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Well, it sure as heck won't be Bash, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, never know. Well, I was
2: teaching him iOS uh, a couple of weeks ago, so he was soaking sul- 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 that up. So, how old is he? He's going to be twelve in a couple of uh, weeks. Oh, yeah, awesome. So. Mm-hmm. My
0: daughter, who's eleven, uh, has no interest whatsoever ah. in coding. <laughs> hmm.
2: Too bad. Nothing, no, No. you haven't even tried like Arduino fashion stuff with her I've all tried all kinds of stuff. She's, no, yeah. mm-mm. Well, you know. She will not be manipulated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, unfortunately for me, I don't think I have a choice with Xavier. He's just going to, he's going to take over my business one of these days and fire me. Yeah. What's your pick, Tim? Uh, my pick actually, well, I, I, you know, I did have a couple of other picks, but, but uh, just this is a bit of a story. Um this afternoon i was working away with yosemite and i uh, all of a sudden had a problem with mail and i thought oh you know i haven't restarted my mac in a while and mail wasn't relaunching and i thought okay well let mean let me restart the mac and you know got the new yosemite startup with the little uh progress bar that goes across the screen and it got halfway across and stopped and i thought oh that can't be good because one of the processes in starting up your computer is it checks your hard drive or in this case ssd um and yeah so i i killed that tried it again still nothing right and then so then i fired up the re- resource thing so it needless to say you know uh, i finally got the it booted from the resource disc and or the repair disc and it basically said that apple will not repair this disc right and i have a couple of utilities i used to use just warriors being one of them that i used in the past and um uh Needless to say, that wouldn't work either. So I knew I was sort of in a position where I was screwed, but I keep a backup going on my computers all the time. I have a couple of Time Machine instances at home, and I have an app that I use through a Canadian company called Background Backup called CrashPlan that basically backs up my stuff to the Bunker. again another Canadian reference, in Mm -hmm. Ottawa. Uh, you know, might, might as well make use of it. bunker for those Americans out there who don't know what it is, is oh. basically our nuclear disaster thing for Parliament to, you don't have to sigh, Aaron. It's a. Part of Canadian history. <laughs> it's you know when Parliament was was under threat of nuclear war, they had to find a way to get you know the members of Parliament down into underground, and that's what they built this bunker under Prime Minister Diefenbaker. Anyway, so a friend of mine's uh, company runs has storage space there where they have a bunch of servers, and that's where they keep the data. Right, and it doesn't go across the border, which is great for me. I like that. Um, anyway, so here I am. Mac is pooched. Got an app to deliver, you know, got to send an app build to the app store today, right? So what am I going to do? So I'm going to start restoring my machine. So I need to say, go and start uh, restoring from Time Machine. And after wrestling with Time Machine for like a half an hour to try and get it to recognize stuff, uh, it's going to take, you know, up to somewhere between... Eleven and twenty-four hours to restore the, the the drive, right?
0: Is this over the network? Uh, I mean, over is, the wired or wireless this is, network?
2: This is com- hundred or gigabit Ethernet connected right to the Time Machine instance itself. I was wondering though, you know, there's a USB port. I know you can use that for drives, but I wondered if you were able to connect to uh, the Time Capsule directly. But yeah, no, this is over this is over a network, even even with the uh, gigabit. The problem with Time Capsule, if you don't know, is it's a thousand tiny files, right? Um, it's not like it backs up your system stuff. It backs up incrementally over over a span of umpteen weeks or months or whatever. So putting back together the your your data takes quite a while. But this other program I use called CrashPlan, um, I I keep a copy of it down. I have a copy that goes to one of my servers in the basement, and I have one that goes to the deep bunker, like I mentioned. And I'm you know basically it's the race against time, and um, that I'm able to get the files off of Crash Plan, Crash Plan much faster than I can with Time Machine. So so currently Tonight for me, the, the my hero app is CrashPlan. So, and it's written by Code 42 in the states, and uh, we're running a Canadian instance of it up here with through background backup.
0: That's my pick. What do you mean by uh, what is? Background backup. Background like backup. I use CrashPlan myself, so yeah, I don't so, know.
2: So this is a Canadian company that uh, a friend of mine owns in Ottawa, and uh, basically he does. They do. They'll put devices in your network if you have like a, a company and you want to do. Everybody wants to use CrashPlan. You basically pay per for a seat on each each, each machine you want to have in, the, in your network, um, and then you know there's a pricing plan of you know so much per month and so much per gigabyte. Um, and instead of uh, backing up to a store, like you know that with CrashPlan. You you can choose other machines that have CrashPlan installed as a destination, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I have a server downstairs with, you know, terabytes of space. So I, I use, I use, I back all of my computers to that one downstairs. But then, you know, if my house burns down, that's not going to help me, right? So my off site backup thing is, is using CrashPlan uh, through Background Backup, which is a, the Canadian exclusive reseller or something to that effect um and uh so they what happens with that is we have a bunch of clients and as well as myself who use crash plan with a with a branded copy for it guy technologies and um i get a report every night of all the successful backups of all of my clients and you know so i can keep an eye on them even though they don't know they're being backed up kind of thing right and and if is it in the case of disaster you can have all your data put on a disc and sent down to you and restored directly onto your computer or in this case I'm, i'm restoring stuff over the internet
0: Okay, um, so you're not using the CrashPlan service to back up to,
2: not the American service. I'm using Canadian version of it. Yeah, I understand.
0: Okay, mm-hmm. so that, that's what I like. I use CrashPlan, and I'm I've got their family unlimited plan yeah. that I use. Yeah, so I'm backing up to their servers with all of the computers on my network right, right. now. Right. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, the only thing I don't like about it is that it's a Java app, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah, and and, it, and it, it, well, the version I'm running needs oh, the wow. old Java. I had to. That was the first challenge for me. Like the first thing when you're installing is you install it, but then you have to install the Java environment, and then, yeah, yeah. So it's a bit a bit of a pain that way. You're mm-hmm. right, and and I do run it on a couple of Linux servers as well, and uh, it's very resource intensive on on Linux. I find you know so like it opens up a whole lot of it opens a node up for every single file on the system and if you have mm. you know gazillion like in, in this case we're, we're doing an app server for one of our servers one of our applications and uh yeah for every file that a client uploads you know we have thousands tens of thousands of users using our app um and you know each one of them has like you know so so many photos and so many chat sessions and all that kind of stuff uh, builds up builds up the uh, space i guess yeah so it's a bit a, a bit of a pick that way and that's because of the java piece right so um yeah and, and there's supposed to be updates coming for to to resolve those kind of issues as well but and and greg you use backblaze i think right
1: i do use backblaze yeah
2: yeah and and what's your experience with that like have you ever had to pull your butt out of a fire like like i have with crash Band?
1: i have never luckily never had to do it <laughs> so far yeah. um i do still have time machine and backblaze yeah and dropbox yeah. and another one and i even had tar snap from a long time ago another canadian mm-hmm, thing mm-hmm. right based out in vancouver i think they use s3 the old s3 and i still have an account with them although i've lost all the keys so i haven't yeah. backed mm-hmm. anything up but they keep sending me invoices for the one cent a month that i use or whatever it is <laughs> but uh, no backblaze i guess is my primary offsite backup for both of my computers and oh, i have never yeah. had to use it and restore anything although my brother-in-law uses it and he has used the thing where you can go on their websites like oh you're out on vacation and you need that file from your computer go right. online to your backblaze and restore it he has done that before he said it works cool. just fine yeah.
2: yeah well while we were while we were recording the podcast and i was record, restoring my development folder so I, I have xcode on the machine that i'm recording on tonight um but i and i have a couple of liberals deliverables i need to get out tonight so uh, after the show i'll be firing up my development environment and carrying on with my work right so and, and then cursing the fact that I didn't push stuff up to GitHub. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, yeah, gotta do that.
0: So, like, what happened with your drive, Tim? Like, did you just replace the drive or no, is it, it's, it's the SSSD, reformatted it? No, it's
2: the SSD that came with. And yeah. Uh, yeah, no, and I'm, you know, I'm always sort of very cautious about stuff. First of all, so I happen to have a one terabyte uh, Seagate backup drive sitting in a closet, so I just I'm using that to with a USB three connection. Oh. Uh, I'm restoring to that right now. Yeah, I know I got, but I'd rather I'd rather get my data back. No, I can no, I have I can see my data. It's all compiled together because you know, and you can't work off a. Um, time machine backup, because even though the stuff appears to be there, it's all over the place, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the same thing with CrashPlan. CrashPlan basically, you know, it, it creates little it, little incremental archives of everything, and you kind of have to reassemble stuff, but uh, and I've you know, i done things like, you know, I've had issues where uh, somebody's gone in and, and done an update on a database, and pooched every record on the database, you know, and this is like an MySQL instance, and been able to go back to CrashPlan, because I also back up my web servers with CrashPlan, and uh, able to restore uh, uh, a database, which is you know a MySQL database, which is but can be a bit tricky, right? So, I'd be able to go back 15 minutes, for, and CrashPlan runs every 15 minutes, as whereas Time Machine runs every every hour. And then the other issue with Time Machine, my pet peeve about them is is uh, not only the size of the the, the just keeps growing and growing and growing, but how many times do I get the 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 message that the Time Machine uh, drive is busy and can't back up, you know? Like it, I have never had that. Well, are you running Time Machine off of a network, or are you running it off of uh, like a drive? Uh, no, Drive connected. No, connected drive. Yeah, yeah. Well, I use I use uh, I have Time Machine on my server downstairs, and I have Time Capsules, right? And what happens is is if the if the the uh, volume gets mounted on your Mac, and there's some sort of hiccup on the network or whatever, it's Time Capsule thinks that or Time Machine itself thinks that drive that volume is still busy. Right, and then you can't restore. So you have to go and restart servers, or you know, it's just, there's no elegant way out of it, right? So, wow, that's yeah. no fun. No, I mean, you know, so if if nothing else, time machine's better than nothing, right? Um, and it's and it, like I said, it's good if you have a, an external drive and, and you're habitual about plugging it in or making sure that it's always plugged in i can't tell you the number of clients i've had over the years who called me up and said hey my data has gone and and i like say when's the last time you backed up oh i think i backed up about six months ago i'm like "Uh Mm uh-huh good luck to you right yeah Yep. Yep. Yep.
0: um I, I regard Time Machine. It's Time Machine is not a disaster recovery system. Um, no, you know, like it, when your drive dies and you you want to get things back. Like it's it's really for pulling a file out of the past. Yeah. you know, yeah. like one version or two versions ago. And that's when I use it, and that's why I, I value it so much. But um, but that's why I have Crash Plan, and I also use um, Super Duper. Sorry. So um, um, are you familiar with Super Duper? The disk cloner. Any of you? the disk Yeah. Disc cloner. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm I'm using that. So every time I've got like two external drives that I plug into my Mac, and uh, on a regular basis, SuperDuper takes a clone of my drive. So if my if my startup drive dies, like Tim did today, I can literally just plug it in and start up off of that thing, mm-hmm. and uh, and be off and running. How often do you do the clone though? Um, well, now I've, I've just got my iMac now, so. Um, so I've got, I've got my super-duper clone, which I, I uh, copy every, every time I plug my, uh, I, my MacBook Pro into my hard drive. So whenever I come back to my desk, plug my MacBook Pro in, and that, that's when it makes a clone of my, of my disk. So it, it would, in, in effect, be two to three times a day. Hmm, okay. I've also got a time machine volume that backs up on an hourly basis. Yeah, I guess super. Duper, you have the register super duper, so
1: it does do that incremental thing. So I guess it's pretty quick if it runs that often.
2: Okay, well, let's wrap it up. And uh, if people want to find you on the interwebs, Aaron, where would they look?
0: They'd look on Twitter at Aaron Vay or go to my now newly operational battle station, magpievideo.com.
2: And Greg, if people want to find you on the interwebs, where would they look?
1: They should also look on Twitter. I'm Greg Hio. That's
2: Greg H E O. All right, well, we'll see you guys next week. Uh, we'll say goodbye, and we'll you know, happy Canada Day. Uh, bye, everyone. Don't forget to pet your moose. <laughs> that is not a euphemism for something. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the items we talked about on the show, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website, or if you can, please write a review on iTunes. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow us on Twitter. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at mtjc underscore podcast. If you'd like to support us, you can pledge any amount on patreon.com slash mtjc. You can provide as little as a dollar a month. Any amount helps. However, you're free to do as you please. Thanks again for listening. Okay, bye. There's no I was going to have like a discussion with Greg about his fabulous podcast. He was just on; it was like totally awesome. You, should,
1: you should call me back, Tim.
2: So, Aaron, you're. Are, uh, <sighs> Greg, you were on this podcast. Uh, what's it called? Um, the 5x5. Five five. Oh, oh, yes. IOS. I-O... Yes. Yes. I love the name of that podcast. I-O-YES. <laughs> I'll give sure you all this. Aaron Crazy.
0: Just, just just, cut that out. Whoa. Something it's weird is out. happening. What does that sound? No. That's like a, an echo of like a laugh. I think he's about to fall offline. Oh, all right. It's kind of weird that you and I are still talking, though. I know. Is he, uh... Let's listen in. Oh, is that the last bit of his laugh? That's a weird It sounds like the last bit of his laugh. I just thought it was like, oh. Are you there? Yeah. (laughs) You're not. (laughs) I think what we ought to do is dump this call and try again. Yeah. He can't even spell, either. Okay. Uh (laughs) Let's dump this call. (laughs) All right. And, uh... We were just missing your pick and Tim's pick, right? Before we finish yeah. recording? Yeah. Crap. You should just make some snarky comment
1: about whatever the pick is, and then he can edit that in afterwards.
0: <laughs> what is this? Apple RSVP, please. What the hell is that? Crap. Oh, it's That was for pretty kids. good. I'll record that. <laughs> <laughs> I was recording that. Don't worry. What is... No, seriously. What is this? Apple no, RSVP. Like this is an Apple camp site. for kids. Not in Canada, unfortunately. Kids. No. Well, then, why are we even talking? Look at it's it, any story you like in the U.S. Damn. I don't know what you know. Listen to this. Tim is typing. Oh my god, Tim's typing. Oh, so you can't hear me. Answer my question. Damn it. <laughs> Can ah? Can you hear us? The quality of this call sucked, but I don't know if that's Skype's fault. <laughs> okay so he can't hear us either quarter after 10 quarter after 10 just as long as you're telling me that you didn't lose everything that
2: no no i got it I, got, I think i've got it yeah let me just make sure
0: because i just love the thought of two weeks in a row going away. i'm uh, i'm recording the call so don't worry oh
1: god thank you what are yeah. you using to do that I just, actually just started using Call Recorder, the one that everyone talks about.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Skype Call Recorder?
1: Skype Call Recorder, yeah. Started and it, how, how it, does, I don't how know does if it? I like it as much, but... Um, oh, jeez, that was loud. Um, it just I just have it set to automatically record every Skype call ever. And cool. then it makes a QuickTime file with two tracks, mm-hmm. one for the you know, the call side and one for your side. Right. But you can't change... I don't know, I want all the settings to change the quality and whatnot, which it doesn't yeah. give you. Yeah. Mm.
2: But it's yeah, a and lot you, backup, and you can't you can't you can't edit out like yeah, individuals. I think that's what Tammy uses. Right. I think.
1: I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you get two tracks, your track and everybody else is the way it works.
0: Right.
2: right.
0: Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts. Good news. Ad free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free